Welcome to the Mornings with Sue and Andy podcast for Thursday, December 22nd. After a couple of wild years in the Calgary real estate market, interest rate hikes over the past several months have helped to temper prices. We take a look back at the year in real estate and how look ahead to what buyers and sellers can expect in 2023 with Justin Haver of Justin Haver & Associates Remax First. Next, how can we be better allies to marginalized communities and more effectively address racism in 2023? We get some strategies to move the conversation ahead with Mahuli Chai, diversity, equity, and inclusion expert. The holidays are upon us and there's much to be thankful for. Mental health advocate Karen Gallagher-Burt joins us for our mental health moment to offer up some tips to help us refocus during this busy time and turn our negative thoughts and interactions into positive experiences. And finally, it's not Christmas without the delicious baked goods, savory snacks, and yummy holiday dinners, but can we make those goodies guilt-free? We catch up with Calgary-based dietitian Caitlin Kazoka for some simple tweaks to make your favorite dishes a little more waste-friendly. Maybe you're looking to buy a new home in 2023. We're going to have a little look back at the real estate market of 2022, what we can expect next year. We're joined now by our friend Justin Haver, realtor with Justin Haver and Associates of Remax First. Hi, Justin. Good morning. How are you guys this morning? Excellent. Glad we got you on. Thank you so much for getting up bright and early to join us, though. I know you're always up bright and early. That's why you're successful. So tell us a little bit about, you know, if you could break down the Calgary real estate market in 2022, how would you explain it? Oh, you know, it has been uh, quite the roller coaster ride. I mean, I think the big story of the year that it was uh, tight and challenging, uh, you know, with obviously the market conditions earlier this year. It was uh, very, very active, to say the least. A lot of um, urgency in the marketplace, people trying to get into the homes to take advantage of the low interest rates that they had. Plus, we had half of Toronto that came to Calgary as well, which obviously put really high demand on the housing and with limited supply because some sellers um, didn't put their house up in the market because they couldn't find a next home to move into. So that was the so-called the Wild West in real estate earlier this year, and obviously with the raising interest rates to combat inflation, um, which has you know continued to put more pressure on the consumer's buying power. And uh, you know again, we continue to have an incredibly tight market here, even in December, where inventory levels hasn't been to this level since 2005. Wow, incredible. You know, from, from a realtor's perspective, what's it like when you have an interest rate hike? Can you can you break walk us through that, Justin, and then maybe you have a potential uh, buyer who's, who's looking out there and then a rate hike or maybe two rate hikes, they talk to you. Does it put the brakes or do you just give them guidance on how to make things happen still? How does that work? You know, from a consumer standpoint, it's all about the monthly payment and what they can, what they're pre-approved for. So it's very, very critical for someone who is looking to make a purchase to get pre-approved with the bank so they can then have an interest rate hold if the monthly payment is a big concern to them. Whereas, you know, if they secure the interest rate for the mortgage product, they will have typically 90 to 120 days in which that rate is held. So if there is a rate increase, um, they will not be impacted by that if they purchase and close on the property before that rate hold expires. Now, obviously that creates a little bit of urgency in the market for those buyers that have the rate holds. Now, what happens when the interest rates go up is the consumer's purchasing power will also go down. And what can happen there is, you know, if someone was looking at a property for 
for 500,000 and let's say the interest rate went up, well, they may not, they may now not qualify for that $500,000 house. They may now have to go down to 450, which is a different product. So, you know, one, it's people getting adjusted to the, the higher cost of borrowing, as well as potentially a different product that they can purchase. Well, we'll get your thoughts on what's coming in 2023 in just a sec, but I wanted to ask you, with such low inventory, with so few homes available, are single-family detached homes still the thing that most people are after, or did that change in 2022? You know what? That changed here in the later part of uh, 2022 where, you know, again, affordability and what people can qualify for has, uh, you know, driven the market now down to, you know, it's incredibly tight, under 500,000. And, you know, we've seen the, an upswing in rolling townhomes and condominiums, which, uh, you know, if you look back several years, I mean, condominiums was, uh, we had up to 16 months of inventory mm. for condos. Now we're sitting at, you know, a little over two months. Wow. So, you know, there's obviously high demand in the lower price points because of, uh, you know, again, higher interest rate is going to put people into the market at a lower price point as well. After a crazy couple of years, uh, again, we've had those interest rate hikes. So can we confidently uh, have some sort of a prediction of what is coming our way 2023 in the real estate market? You know, having a crystal ball or tomorrow's newspaper <laughs> today, I think it's something that everybody would love to have. But I do believe that we're going to continue to see a very active real estate market here in Calgary. Um, you know, it's going to continue to be tight. And, you know, Calgary has a strong economy. And uh, I believe that the Calgary real estate market is going to be one of the strongest real estate markets in all of Canada. You know, there are some uh, people that are predicting that prices are going to be slowly rising in 2023. Uh, we may see the average price for a single-family detached home in the city could break the $700,000 mark. Um, you know, again, it really depends on the Bank of Canada as well on what they continue to do with interest rate hikes. Are they going to still try to combat uh, inflation in uh, the Canadian economy by raising the rates? Maybe not as much as they have done here in uh, 2022, but we could see some uh, some dancing with the interest rates, again, depending on how the economy does. But uh, I will say this, the market will continue to be fairly tight. Calgary is still a very attractive uh, real estate market when it comes to affordability, not only for people here in the province, but also from people out of the province. And I do believe that we're going to continue to see net migration to Calgary from other markets where home ownership is not obtainable because it's still uh, very expensive in those markets. Yeah, I totally agree. We saw it. I mean, Calgary had, or Alberta had the greatest influx of people coming into our province than any other province in the country. So it's likely not going to slow down. We always appreciate your expertise in the real estate discussion. So thanks so much for joining us. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year to you, Justin. We'll talk to you in 2023. Thank you for having me. Merry Christmas. Justin Haver, Realtor with Justin Haver and Associates of Remax First, and it's justinhaver.com.
According to Stats Canada, this country has seen a 72% increase in the rate of hate crimes between 2019 and 2021. What can we do to address this issue and put allyship into action for 2023? Joining us to talk about it is Mahuli Chai, who is diversity, equity and inclusion expert and the strategist for York Region District School Board's Dismantling Anti-Black Racism Strategy Implementation Plan. Good morning to you, Mahuli. Thanks so much for joining us. Good morning, Sue and Andy. How are you? Great. Thanks Thank you. Uh, an important discussion, you know, certainly something that we, we need to continue talking about, not just to wrap up 2022, but moving into 2023 and beyond. What steps can we take, Mahuli, to, you know, in our everyday lives to foster inclusion, to certainly be better allies to Canada's BIPOC community? You know, Sue, answering this question isn't uh, a one-way response. I would say but when we say, what is it to being better? It means to critically ask ourselves, why do we want to be an ally? Do you want to truly advance the goals of justice? Or do you want to be perceived to be an ally? Because it may be the end thing to do in, in 2022. We understand and we know, you know, uh, Dr. Uh, Bettina Love, um, she's a scholar and, and, and does this work. She calls to action the difference between allies and uh, co-conspirators. And, and it's a calling for, she says, white people to go beyond performative allyship of just appearing to be woke and instead take the risk to put themselves on the line for BIPOC and racial, um, racial uh, justice. It's interesting, Mahuli, you hit the nail on the head there when you, you mentioned that, you know, is it per- perception? And as far as I'm concerned, when you look at this, was it a trend and how do we you know, extend it, not just being a trend, but being an ally isn't a trend. It isn't what we did in 2021 and stretching into 2022, but this is something we continue. So how do we bring and foster that longevity? You know, Andy, I think as human beings, we have to live, you know, I always say this to the people who I, I, I coach or teach or train, we must live with open hearts. So we have to use our privilege, right? The best way is to use your privilege to benefit others, even when it doesn't benefit yourself. Do you think racists have been emboldened of late or are we just more aware now of the words we use, how we speak and how we can behave better and support better? Do we think, do we think, what was the question? Do we think, do we think racism, the racists that are out there, have they been emboldened? We're seeing, we're seeing a lot more racist acts that are in the media these days. Are there more of them or are they just more emboldened, do you think? I, I think they're emboldened. I think that these are the hearts and minds uh, of people. And I think here when we're in, we're in Canada, you know, we love to say, you know, we don't have those issues that are here. And I think People now are becoming very, very um, empowered to speak their minds. And we're just hearing the undercurrent of what has really always been there. And that's why the call to action. So we're seeing it. uh, You know, we recognize it. But when it comes to the hate crimes themselves, Mahuli, uh, what, what do we attribute the rise? What do you see behind the increase in hate crimes in Canada? Can you point your finger at it? I don't know if there's one thing. You know, I don't know if it's one thing. You know, as I mentioned to you before, ally assumes that this, the struggle for racial justice is horizontal, right? And I think, especially when we're dealing with white people, should we do something about racism or on behalf of people of color kind of thing? So it's kind of a, a saviorism uh, complex, if you will. Um, 
we're not talking about that. But I think the, I, I don't know why there's the proliferation and there's a rise. I think it's the underbelly and undercurrent of what people have really been experiencing and feeling for some time. We know that there's been things like, you know, Donald Trump affected the whole world, right? Mm-hmm. We, we know that, that these things have most definitely um, been a feeling for, for communities. And so, you know, our responsibility uh, as people is to really move in the direction of healing and restoration and ensuring that we do what we can to uh, help someone else benefit from our privilege. Mahuli, sometimes we encounter racism in our lives. It can be in our everyday lives. It can be in our workplace. It could be a coworker, even a manager. What kind of advice can you share with us when it comes to confronting racism in our place of work specifically? Name it. Identify what it is. Speak to it. Don't be afraid to speak to it. It's very important for you to name, identify, and speak to it. That's very, you make it sound super straightforward, Mahuli, and, uh, you know, a lot of people out there may never have encountered something like this. I'm wondering, Mahuli, in society, when we have an issue of Canada, no different than any nation on the earth, we look at how we're going to solve a serious issue that affects so many people in a society, we turn the government to a a large extent. Is this something that we do need the government involved in, or is this a societal issue that we have to tackle ourselves? Would government just muddy the waters? You know, Andy, uh, when George Floyd happened um, in and around that time, about a year later, I had done a campaign with the Ontario Black History Society at the time that had taken a a grade eight history book, and out of 265 pages, only 13 pages, named... um, uh, There was a limited amount of black history that was mentioned. Let me say that. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, it's going to take government because we want to ensure that in our schools, we want to ensure that um, in our country, in your places of work, that this anti-blackism is embedded in uh, educating and ensuring that people get the knowledge um, and learn together. This is a learning and a moving forward. It's a it's a learning and pressing forward for us all. Mahuli, if, if people want to get more information, we want to learn how to be better allies. Do we go to the library? I know, uh, or the or the bookstore. I know certain bookstores now have you know sections where you can learn and better understand. Is there a, sort of a social resource that you would suggest people go to? I mean, there's great books out there. I, I mentioned uh, Dr. Britannia Love. There's a lady by the name of Bree McCall. She has a book called Reading, uh, Writing, and Racism, Disrupting Whiteness in Teacher Education in the Classroom. And, I, you know, I, I work for a school system, so that, that's good. And I, and I want to just remind our audience of something that, as I was preparing for this interview, um, that, Malcolm, that um, Martin Luther King has said, sorry. Malcolm, Mar- Martin Luther King said, Injustice Anywhere. It's a threat to justice everywhere. And let that sit and resonate with our consciousness. Brilliant. Powerful statement. It's a short statement, but it says it all. Thank you so much, Mahuli. We appreciate your time. Thank you, Andy and Soon. Have a good morning. Hi, Calgary. (laughs) Thanks for joining us. That's great. That's Mahuli Chai, diversity, equity, and inclusion expert with the York Region District School Board. (laughs) 
Now the holidays are here, and yes, of course, we could focus on negatives, but today we're helping you find joy every day in the little things, especially moving through the holiday season. Joining us for our mental health moment is Karen Gallagher-Burt, mental health advocate and social worker. Hi, Karen, how are you? Good morning. I'm doing well. Excellent. Thank you so much for joining us. Boy, we could do this on the daily, I think. But let's uh, let's get into this topic because I love that this is your focus this time around. You know, and sometimes we do. We get sucked into the negative. But let's flip the narrative. Why is it so important to focus on the good things in our lives? You know, gratitude has been proven to be one of the things that makes our mental health stronger and better, as does connection, hope, and belonging, those things that matter the most. And holidays are complicated for many people, but I think there's an opportunity to look for those snippets of really wonderful things, even if you're having really a a terrible year, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. And there it is, right? Uh, should I share one thing that is good for me? Can we do sure, that? Okay. please do. Uh, well, besides the hot dogs that we're enjoying this morning, Karen, <laughs> and I'm sorry we couldn't have you in studio. For me, it's interesting because when I was younger, I said, you know, I got to stir crazy maybe in my 20s or 30s. I'd say everything shuts down for the holidays. I wish I could do X, Y, and Z with this free time. Now I appreciate that things slow down during the holidays. Mm-hmm. So not only yeah. do I not have to be anywhere, that I can't. That forced you know, uh, slower speed. I, I appreciate that. That's good, I think, during the whole Yeah, it is. And it's good for your soul. It's good for everything. It's um, rejuvenating. Even even when we overeat a little and overindulge, you know, there's little bits of joys and memories that come with food over this time that are spectacular, usually. It, and it really is much easier to go to the, the negative, isn't it, Karen? I think we really have to, especially in these days and times, t- things are difficult, right? So I think we have to really make an effort to flip that around and think of the positive and think of the good. You can be in tough times and still have good things going on in your world. You betcha. And I think that that's, uh, that's the gratitude component is that I, I honestly can look back on this year and I feel like the queen years ago when she said it was her Anna Cerebralis. And I mean, this has mm-hmm. been my horrible year, but by the same token, I'm grateful. I'm grateful my, my marriage is solid. My kids are, are fantastic. I don't have to cook dinner on Christmas Day. I can do it another day. <laughs> and it just, it changes kind of how that paces. Like Andy said, that's slowing down. I mean, I work at the Distress Center, the Crisis Center. Our lines get a little bit quiet on Christmas too. Um, and we get a lot of phone calls of people who are expressing gratitude that we're there mm-hmm. 24-7. That's great. And yeah, be kind to yourself. Give yourself a break. So what if you eat too many baked goods? So what if you had a second helping of mashed potatoes? You know what? You deserve it over the holidays. There's always tomorrow you can start fresh and make it a new day, right? Don't don't beat yourself up over all these little things. Yeah, if nothing else, give yourself the gift of Mm self-compassion. I'm I'm wondering, Karen, if you can give us a a bit of a strategy, because it's one thing we know that we should turn that negative into a positive, and it sounds on paper, looks fairly simple. Any strategies in the moment when we're starting to feel a little dark, a little gloom and doom and, and focusing on the negative, how we can flip that switch effectively? You know what? For me, it's an instant, um, is this going to matter in two minutes? And I've always talked about in my work, it's the difference between having a, a thoughtful response and just having a response, you know, instead of reacting, you're responding. So teach yourself to do that. Take one or two minutes because you'd be surprised what 90 seconds can do to change your thought process. I always have triggers. I like triggers. I carry like worry stones in my purse. And if something gets me, I'll just take it out and rub it with my thumb. I'll time myself about 30 minutes, or sorry, 30 seconds to a minute. And then it slows the brain down and just takes it off. Some people use elastic bands on their wrist and kind of snap out of it. Um, and those, But a little trigger that would help you. Over the holidays, make it a candy. 
she suck on a candy, a hard candy, it's going to take you at least two minutes. By that time, you've got to feel better. Karen, it's really kind of funny because as you were talking about that, I pulled a worry stone out of my pocket and so did Andy. Yep. Yep. And those Here's triggers are those perfect things, right? And yep. it's a combination of the, the sensory, you're rubbing the smoothness, you're feeling it. And then at the same time, your thoughts are focusing on something else or going to another sensation. And that's a really good way to take you off of, say, an emotional um, anger moment. Traffic's yeah. been that one for me. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, absolutely. We thank you for joining us. Uh, this is such a great feature that we do. And honestly, I think we could ramp it up and do it on the daily. But we're grateful for your mental health moments with us to just help us, you know, flip that switch in our heads and think a little bit yeah. differently. So thank you so much. And happy holidays and Merry Christmas to you. And to both of you as well. Enjoy some peace and quiet. <laughs> thank you. We'll definitely try. Karen gallagher Burt, mental health advocate and social worker. One of the best parts of the holiday season is all the delicious baked goods. But can we make some tweaks to those classic recipes to make them a bit healthier? Joining us to discuss is Calgary-based dietitian Caitlin Kazoka. Good morning to you, Caitlin. Hi, good morning. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. Well, we do know we want to celebrate. We want to enjoy our time with family and friends. But holiday season can be a high-caloric time of the year. So what adjustments can we make to our recipes to make them just a little bit healthier, Caitlin? Yeah, no, that's a great question. And, you know, I I like to think that there's room for all foods and kind of a healthy, well-balanced diet. So I like to think more of, you know, instead of ditching, you know, those those options that we all love and having something else, it's more kind of combining different things. So having this with that. Okay, so give us some examples, uh, you know, as far as let's start with, like, for example, cakes and cookies. What can we do with those? Yeah, and so it's kind of the the balanced moderation approach. So, you know, the first thing I will say is if if you have, like, grandma's classic recipe and you don't want to tamper with that, don't tamper with that. Mm. But um, there's lots of great kind of baking alternatives out there that you can play around with. So some options would be maybe reducing the added sugar, and you could use substitutes like applesauce, dates, um, different types of sweeteners. Uh, There's a popular one now called monk fruit sugar, um, Mm. and it's a no-calorie alternative. Let's talk about, you know, one of the number one bases when it comes to baking, obviously the flour. What about if we're substituting the white all-purpose flour with whole wheat? Can we do that and get away with it? Yeah, absolutely. So I would say, you know, play around with it. Most recipes are fine if you go up to 50% white flour to whole wheat flour, so half-half. Um, some recipes, I, it works a bit better, I would say, for like breads and loaves and things like that um, to go 100% whole wheat flour. And that's just going to really up the fiber content. Mm. Um, and fiber is fantastic because it's it's very filling. It's, it keeps you kind of feeling satisfied and it's really good for our gut health as well. When it comes to the holiday nibblies, uh, Caitlin, let's move away from the sweet and more toward the savory. And a lot of the times we love those trays with cheese and meats. We want to keep those in the mix, but we can make those healthier. How how can we do that? (laughs) Yeah, no, and everyone loves a charcuterie board, right? Um, One thing to think about, you know, is is maybe you serve uh, a crudité board with your charcuterie board. So crudité is just uh, chopped up veggies and dip, you know, with a fancy twist. Um, so that's the first thing is getting the veggies. Again, you give you tons of vitamins, minerals, and lots of fiber. Um, you could go for some plant-based options. So plant-based proteins like nuts mm-hmm. could be thrown in there and might as well add some fruit too. I mean, who doesn't love, you know, grapes with cheese, right? Just to again, get, uh, you know, the fruit and veggie component, right? 
I like that. I like the idea of adding more color. It's it's more visually appealing as well. So you're killing two birds with one stone there. Uh, one, of the, one of the most comforting foods, I guess you'd call it the king of comfort food as far as I'm concerned, potatoes, particularly mashed potatoes. How mm-hmm. can we healthify, I'm not, not sure if that's a word, healthy, healthify mashed potatoes but still have that taste? Yeah, and so there's a few options here, right? So the first thing is, you know, if you're doing like butter and sour cream, you could always try a Greek yogurt. So Greek yogurt is a higher protein option. Um, so it's a really nice way to kind of, you know, substitute some of the fat in there and, and add a little bit of protein. Um, another one that's kind of strange, but I've actually tried it and it's really delicious, is keeping the skin on your mashed potatoes. This mm. works really well with um, either like the red or the yellow potatoes where the skin's a bit softer. Um, it adds some kind of texture into into the dish, but again, you're getting more fiber with that. So all the fiber in a potato is in the skin. Um, so that's another way you could do it. And then some other, you know, changing it up. You could do mashed sweet potato. You could do mashed cauliflower, which would be, you know, and again, you could do the cauliflower with the potato or on its own. So there's lots of kind of different things you can experiment with there. Caitlin, I know that you, you've mentioned a couple of times, you know, maybe it's grandma's recipe or a, a friend's recipe that's been, you know, passed on and, and in the family for years. For those ones, you might not want to tinker with them. So if you can talk from a dietitian's perspective of, of moderation when it comes to consuming some of these holiday treats and how we can use that as a tool. Yeah, exactly. And so it's just kind of thinking about maybe, you know, uh, what's your, what is your overall kind of big picture? What's your day looking like or your month? And, um, you know, just just making sure you're getting all of those important elements of the meal. So, you know, I wouldn't say, you know, entirely fill up on, on cakes and cookies, but, you know, it could still be part of a balanced meal if you've got, you know, your, your holiday turkey, your ham or whatever you're doing is a great protein source. Maybe you've got lots of veggie side dishes, uh, you know, the Brussels sprouts and the, uh, the corn and all those things that we love. And then, you know, having this, the mashed potatoes, but then, you know, having those cookies for dessert and just, mm. you know, enjoying them and knowing that it's, it's you know, a, a special family recipe, right? Yeah, some great and uh, super timely advice. Thanks so much. Happy holidays to you, Caitlin. Yeah, my pleasure. You as well. That's Calgary-based dietitian Caitlin Kazoka.